0: Hello, everybody! Welcome to College Oops Chat. I'm your host, Jim Maysano. This is your weekly college basketball radio show right here on WVOX, 1460 AM in New Rochelle, New York. Thanks so much for tuning in, and thank you for being part of the show. So excited about tonight's show. The guests are, like, very cool. First guest coming up at about 8.15, is Keith Ergo, the head coach of Fordham. I guess you all know by now that Fordham's having a terrific year. They're 21-6, and six, one of their best years maybe in three decades. A lot of excitement over on Rose Hill at Fordham University. I went to the game last week. My St. Bonaventure Bonnies went into Fordham and got their butts kicked. Fordham is that good. Uh, they really uh, beat up on my Bonnies, but they won fair and square. They played some terrific basketball. Uh, after the game... We went out to dinner. We're at a nice restaurant on Arthur Avenue over by Fordham University. And, of course, who walks into the bar after the win over the Bonnies but Coach Keith Orgo, the Fordham coach, who's done so well. I had already been talking to Fordham about getting him on the show, so it was really nice to meet him face-to-face. Could not have been a nicer guy to me and my friends. We had a great chat, and uh, really looking forward to chatting with him. A guy who's taken Fordham literally to its best season in three decades. And we're going to talk a little bit the historic season that this is Keith Ergo and the Fordham Rams. All right? That's guest number one. Second guest is Eric Haslam from Haslam Metrics. He is an analytics guy, a computer guy who analyzes college basketball through algorithms. We've talked a lot about Ken Palm. Well, Haslam's one of the very best, like Ken Palm. He's out there providing terrific analysis of college basketball to schools, to fans even to people involved in the gambling industry. So he's giving out great information on how to look at college basketball and kind of predict uh, who's more likely to win a game. He doesn't do rankings like the AP does. He predicts future performance. It's going to be really interesting to talk to Eric Haslam, and he's going to analyze Iona while we have him. So that should be fun, too. Last segment of the show, we'll do Kenny from Rye and John from Porchester, two of our regulars, kind of wrap up the show. So it's going to be a terrific show. So not sure if you know, but yesterday, the committee, this College Basketball Selection Committee, released their first top 16 seeds projected as of yesterday. Obviously, things will change in the next few weeks for the NCAA tournament starts, but they gave us a little glimpse into their thinking. They told us who are the top 16 teams right now. So You can have all the rankings and algorithms and computer programs you want. But at the end of the day, to make the NCAA tournament, you got to get picked by the selection committee. Okay? And here is the ranking. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Houston. Number three, Purdue. Number four, Kansas. There's your top four seats. Probably not that surprising. Alabama, Houston, Purdue, Kansas. All right, your next four. Texas, Arizona, Baylor, and UCLA. Next four, Tennessee, Virginia, Iowa State, Kansas State. And the final four of the 16 is Indiana, Marquette, Gonzaga, and Xavier. So that is the top 16 as of today for the NCAA Selection Committee. They're doing research now. Uh, They don't just wait to the week before they release the bracket. They're looking at uh, teams all season long. They're talking all season long. And they gave us a glimpse of what they're thinking. I think that's a smart thing. of get the fans excited for the ncaa tournament which is only like three weeks away so this is a really exciting time for college basketball we also have teams finishing up their season we have teams trying to win their conference for example both iona and fordham two teams we cover a lot here on the show are not getting in at large to the ncaa tournament i know you want that as a fan but i'm telling you uh based on my in-depth review neither Iona or Fordham is getting in the tournament through an at-large bid. That's just a fact, okay? I Trust me, I've done the due diligence. They both have to win their tournaments to get in. Iona's got to win the MAC tournament. Last year, they had the best team in the regular season, Iona, and they lost in the MAC championship uh, in their first game against Ryder. It was very depressing. And then Fordham this year has to win the Atlantic 10 Conference, which is a really good conference. I mean, you have teams like BCU and you have teams like Dayton, and you have teams like St. Louis in there. It's a tough road for Fordham, but both Fordham and Iona can win their conference tournaments and go to the NCAA tournament. That's just a fact. They both have a path to win. Uh, You could see both of these teams winning uh, their tournaments. So that's kind of exciting as well. All right, so while we're waiting for Keith Ergo to call, the coach of Fordham Rams, we'll talk briefly about Iona. Iona had a great weekend. No matter how you cut it, Iona had a terrific weekend, right? Friday night, they beat Manhattan 71-60. Manhattan game a game. They played tough. I won't point out to you all that I love those Iona Gales. They gave me a shout-out for my birthday during the game. How about that? I got a shout-out from the uh, announcer at the game. That was very nice. Walter Clayton was the best player on the floor. The Gales controlled the entire game. At halftime, they are up 35-24. but Walter Clayton was terrific, and... Every now and then, the Jaspers of Manhattan would make a run, but then Iona would make their own run, and they had a very comfortable... It was not, wasn't as close as seventy one sixty. Iona actually uh, was more dominant in the game. So it was a great win on Friday night, a rivalry win against Manhattan at home. Good crowd. Crowd was into the game. Fun night on Friday night. Sunday, they go down to St. Peter's. Now, look, St. Peter's lost all their players from their terrific team that went to the NCAA tournament and shocked the world. Getting into the elite eight, they lost everybody pretty much. I think there's a few guys left, but most of the guys are gone. All the starters, the really good players are gone. So they're starting from scratch. So Iona did beat St. Peter's 73-53, pretty dominant win for Iona. Uh, but nevertheless, Iona got their seventh consecutive win. They're 20 and seven, and things look really good for Iona Gals. We have our caller. We do. All right, let me go to the phone line because I'm so excited to talk to Fordham coach Keith Ergo. Keith, are you there? I am. It's a great day to be a Ram. It is a great day to be a Ram. I couldn't agree with you more. As you know, uh, Coach, I came to visit you uh, last Wednesday uh, in the, at Fordham in Rose Hill to watch my Bonnies play, and you guys were the better team. Without a doubt, Fordham Rams were better than the Bonnies last Wednesday night, but we had a lot of fun coming to the game. We we're really impressed with the fans. We're really impressed with what you've done with this program, revitalized it, get so much excitement about it. We just saw the excitement when you said it's a great day to be your M. Congratulations, Coach Ergo. You're doing a great job.
1: Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, my father-in-law, he went to St. Bonaventure. My best friend in life's father went to St. Bonaventure, but then he went to court of Law, so... You know, I got some ties to St. Bonaventure, but um, you know, and I respect Coach Schmidt, to me, is one of the best coaches in America, let alone the Atlantic 10. I love his staff. It's just an incredible program, what they've done, what they've been able to do over the course of however many years. Just the tradition that they've established, it's really something that we're trying to do ourselves. So, he's a model of consistency that we're trying to build here. So, credit to him, his staff, and you know, it was a big moment for us to win on the road at their place the first time and to hold serve at home. I think it had a lot to do with our incredible fan base that showed out. Rose Thrill was rocking that night and you got to see the shirtless herd shirt and you know, I think it made an incredible difference and we need that energy here in the last 2 out of 4 games we finish over at home and each one of those 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 games is going to be vital to uh to the end of the season here. So, uh, I appreciate you having me on. It's been a thrill to be a part of this program and to be in this situation we have incredible young men that are leading the way and hopefully we can continue the momentum
0: all right coach let's so let's just introduce you a little bit if we can you play lacrosse and basketball in high school down in washington dc at gonzaga which is a, a good athletic school i've heard of that school um you played basketball at fairfield from 98 to 2002 and then you went on to coach and is it fair to say that you're from the jay Wright coaching tree is that fair to say yeah, there's no doubt. I actually played basketball, lacrosse at um,
1: at Fairfield. I played two, three years of lacrosse and two years under Tim O'Toole, hoops at uh, at Fairfield. But yeah, I, I I would definitely say I'm I'm from the J Wright tree. I mean, I I started my career at Gonzaga High School from a coaching perspective as well. I went got I went back and had a chance to coach in the WCAC, which is arguably the best at, uh, best high school conference in the nation. With the math and Paula Six and St. John's and Archbishop Carroll and Gonzaga and, and a host of others, but um, I, I coached there for about four years. And then was fortunate enough to be brought on Jay Wright's staff as an intern video internship. At the time, those were those were interns ten thousand dollars before tax. Now they're they're full paid full full paid jobs. And but uh, I was fortunate enough to to spend a year as uh, video coordinator under Jay Wright. And I was bumped up to a director of operations position in two thousand eight nine, when we went to the Final Four. And I I was a, I was in that role for two years, and then I was promoted to an assistant coaching position at Villanova for Jay Wright under one for one year from two thousand ten to eleven, and then I joined Patrick Chambers at Penn State. I was there for two years before be as an assistant before being promoted to associate head coach, where I spent eight years total of ten, but eight years the associate head coach before joining. Kyle Neptune here a year ago, and when I was the intern for for the video intern at Villanova, when I became the ops, I was given the the uh, the job of hiring my replacement, and we hired Kyle Neptune to replace myself as the video intern, and he spent two years there, and that's where our relationship kind of began, and that's uh, that's how that's the connection to Fordham, uh, and why I joined his staff last year.
0: Well, it certainly worked out for both of you, right? So now you're the head coach of Fordham and doing an amazing job uh, with a terrific team that's 21-6, and 6, and he's coaching Villanova in a difficult season because of injuries and transition, but I think we all believe that Coach Neptune's going to do a great job at Villanova as well, so you're both in a really good place.
1: Couldn't be happier for him. Couldn't be happier for myself and my family. Everything kind of worked out. The stars aligned, and I think both places are in great hands.
0: All right, Coach, there's two things i got to say before I forget. One is a shout out from two people that want me to say hello to you. And they say, you'll know (laughs) who it is. It's Neil Dratty and Marty Stanton. Oh, you got to be kidding. Yeah, absolutely. I went to high school with Neil Dratty. We went, both went to Iona Prep here in Westchester County. You should go over there, recruit coach. We got some great players over at Iona Prep.
1: I know you do. And it's definitely a a school that we have to get to. We got to get in that gym and and we got to get into a bunch of local gyms and start bringing some local talent back to Fordham for sure. And Marty Stanton, you know, he happened to grow up with my – got a big family, nine boys and one girl in my family, and some of my older brothers. and uh, Marty was very close with my sister and some of my older brothers as well.
0: That's great. Small world, right? All right. One thing and, i got to ask you. Since I started this show, this is the third year I've had College Hoops Chat. I will tell you that what I'm about to say to you has come up more than ten times in the show in three years. So i got to ask you a favor. <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask the same thing, by the way, to Iona as well. Is there any way we can please get a non-conference regular season game between Iona and Fordham? All the fans on both sides want that game. That rivalry was killer in the 1980s. It was one of the better rivalries I've ever seen in college basketball on the local level. Is there any way we could put that back together, Coach, and get those teams to play at least once a year?
1: You know, I think it would be fantastic for the city. I think it's all, you know – today's day and age the scheduling certainly in the non-conference is really difficult to do as it relates to multi-team events and the expansion of all league league play there's more games being played in league in every conference it's very difficult for scheduling purposes and even coach patino had mentioned you know it, it's very difficult for atlantic 10 teams to to go ahead and, and schedule mac teams or whatever it might be it's it, scheduling has become extremely difficult, and it's got to align. It's got to make sense for both programs. But honestly, specifically for ours. And, and but honestly, you know, I hope to be here for a long time. I think it would be fantastic if if New York City had its own little, you know, uh, Big Five, so to speak, or City Six, similar to that of Philadelphia. You know, I think we have some incredible programs in this city that would make sense. I think you know, you could you could definitely you know, make a case to have St. John's and Ford to play and Iona and, you know, obviously Manhattan, and you could throw someone else in there. But, you know, it it definitely could be something really special that's created. But, you know, I I can't guarantee anything, but I think it would be great for all of New York City basketball fans if we could somehow put together, you know, a a kind of a round robin, so to speak, each and every year. Doing it like the Gardner Barclays would be even better.
0: Coach, I agree with you 100%. I've said that exact thing on the show. We need our own Big Five here in New York Manhattan, Fordham, Iona, Hofstra. I don't know if St. John's will ever do it, but we'll try to get them involved. Um, it would be fantastic. I'm with you all the way. I'll leave the scheduling to you, Coach. I just had to do a little lobbying if you don't mind.
1: No, I don't mind it at all. You know, any, any, any publicity is great publicity. That's the truth, especially for Fordham basketball.
0: I agree. All right. So um, I did some research today. Uh, and it looks like Uh-oh. yeah, it's good research. I mean like fabulous research, by the way, for you, coach. It looks like you are have a shot to have the second best season this year in the history of Ford and basketball. Obviously, we know 70-71 with Digger Phelps, 26 and 3, lost in the sweet sixteen to Villanova, ranked number nine in the nation. That'll be a tough one to get this year, Coach. Maybe next year. But uh, at twenty-one and six, you are on a path right now to have one of the best seasons. In the history of Ford and basketball. Congratulations.
1: Well, thank you very much. I mean, we haven't really thought too much about that stuff. We always concentrate on the next day, the next game, and whatever ends up in, you know, at the end of the year. I mean, we focus on becoming the best team we can be by the end of the year. I think we're headed in that direction. Um, we have, you know, still four games left here in the regular season, starting with a very tough opponent on the road in Loyola, Chicago, who's been playing very good basketball of late. So no 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 gym is easy. No program is easy. The coaching is tremendous. The scouting is tremendous. But we do have a great opportunity, and we'll probably focus on that when when the year's end. You know, obviously, I'm certainly hopeful that it's the number one and best season in history because that would indicate that we've made a run here late and we made a run through the Winnington tournament, and had an opportunity to play in the postseason, uh, and that's the ultimate goal for these young student athletes and. They put so much time and energy in. I think they deserve it for sure, and our staff included. So I'm hopeful that we can finish strong here, continue to get better. And we believe if we continue to get better, we have the opportunity to pretty much beat anybody that's in front of us. But you got to show up that night and play ball. So, you know, we'll see how that all, you know, funnels out. But right now we're enjoying the ride, and we're just focused on the next game, which is Loyola Chicago.
0: I agree. And so in the I'm happy to tell you that I just looked tonight and – Ken Palm says he's predicting the likelihood of you winning the next three. Yeah, he thinks you could beat Loyola Chicago uh, this Wednesday night. Saturday, you got Rhode Island. and He he says you might might have a tough one with George Mason on the road next Wednesday. And then Duquesne at home, he's got it very close, 73-72. So you have a lot of close games coming up, tough games. But you got a real shot to win all four. Uh, And if you do, you end up 25-6. You're rolling into the Atlantic 10 tournament. See, that should be really exciting.
1: Our Lennoxon tournament for the next three years is right here in Brooklyn, right in the Barclays. Center. Oh, oh so that's
0: right. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Last year it was DC. in D.C. So yes, yes, yes. Yeah, last year it was in D.C., and it'll, it'll head back there in a couple years. But, yeah, it's a fantastic opportunity. Now, I will tell you, if we were to follow Ken Palm, then we would pretty much be in the gutter at the moment. <laughs> if you look where they had us, <laughs> if, you, if you look where they had us in the beginning of the year, or even midway through the year, you, you know, you, you certainly would have lost a lot of money. But um, now he's you got know, it's you nice, winning, coach. he has got you winning now. Yeah, tell that's the a floor. good thing. It's, it's it's funny how that works out that way. But you know what? Again, we, you know, you, you got to go out there and you got to make plays. And our guys are—I've got to tell you—we have such a fantastic group. They come in each and every day. Could have held their heads down after what happened at VCU. And they came in today ready to get better. Film was fantastic. The court was energized. Tomorrow's going to be another tremendous practice. We got great young men in this program. And I think they're starting to see the fruits of their labor, and they deserve it. So um, I'm happy for them because they've been working their butts off. And, you know, the fan base has been tremendous. And hopefully we can we can make a little run here. And then anything can happen in Brooklyn, especially if you got Rose Thrill moving its doors, you know, jumping on a bunch of, bunch of buses and coming on down to the other bur- – the, the, the borough next door that Cheryl saw on. We, we should have a tremendous home court advantage in, in our games uh, at the Barclays if we can carry the momentum over.
0: I agree. I mean, it's pretty awesome to have a home court advantage uh, in your conference tournament. And uh, you get Rose Thrill over there. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. All right, so you got Loyola Chicago. A team that has been an NCAA tournament team. Took a little step back, but they're still very tough at home. And as you said, they are playing better. That's Wednesday. And then Saturday, you come back home to play Rhode Island. That's certainly a winnable game for you. Look, nothing's easy in conference. We all know that. But you got to hold at home like you did against my bonnies. What about this next game, Wednesday, uh, where Ken Palm had you losing a close one? George Mason's a pretty good team. He's got him 150 uh, in his ranking, Ken Palm. George Mason's pretty good. Yeah,
1: you know what what will be cool is this weekend just to just to start there first um we're honoring the 1970 71 team with Digger Phelps a, a host of those folks including Digger coming back. There's a big event Friday night in the city and then also, you know, during the game we'll be honoring that team and so pretty special moment for Fordham basketball. Um you know, as far as next Wednesday, Tim English has a tremendous program really good upperclassmen that are extremely talented. They're very very tough at home. It's an unbelievable environment with one of the best bus school bands in the nation. So, you know, like you mentioned, every single game in the Atlantic 10, Loyola, Chicago, whoever it is, the coaching is so good. Every, at least for the most part, most of these teams, especially the healthy ones, they're getting better and better as February goes on into March. And that's typically what you see from great programs, great coaches. Their teams get better as the season goes on. And there isn't a night off in the Atlantic 10. I know it's gotten a hit, but, you know, these teams are all playing extremely hard. Everybody's dialed in. So any night we show up, it's going to be extremely difficult. We have to be ready and prepared for whoever we
0: play. I agree. Now that last game, I've now seen Duquesne play three times. I watched you play them. I watched, and you guys got a great win. Uh, on the road I, that was actually I thought one of your best wins all year beating Duquesne 65-50 yeah. on the road that's a really good team and I saw the Bonneys playing yeah. them twice so you got them at yeah. home but it'll be a tough game at home too
1: yeah no I mean you know I, again coach Dan Rott, he's a legend he's just done a tremendous job there they have an incredible amount of talent and they, and they, you know they have a lot of depth and their guard play is really really impressive so they're an explosive offense you know so it's you know it's going to be extremely difficult. Fortunately, we get to play here at home, and you know, we're kind of hoping that there's not a whole lot on the line that day. But you never know; very well could be. So, you know, for us, again, it's tough for me to even think about that stuff. It feels like a month, a month from now, because you know we're just so dialed in and focused on Wednesday night's opponent. But you know, every game from here on out is going to be a battle, and I'm looking forward to all of them because they're they're just great programs, really well coached, and. You know, I got to give credits. to pretty much every coach in this league is tremendous. So
0: you got to be dialed in and prepared. Coach, I'm rooting for you. I want you to win these Final Four games. I want you to go win the a 10 tournament. And I want to root for Fordham Rams in the NCAA tournament. That would be a lot of fun for our radio show. We've been covering you all year. Good luck, Coach Argo. Go get your team to the NCAA tournament. I know you could do it. Appreciate it, man. Go Rams. Thank go Rams. You. Thank you, Coach. All right, folks, great call. We coach Keith Ergo of the Fordham Rams. Hope you enjoyed that. We'll be right back and interview Eric Haslam on Kyle Troop's Chat. They're playing basketball. Okay, folks, we're back on Kyle Troop's Chat. I hope you enjoyed that uh, discussion with Fordham coach Keith Ergo. What a lot of energy that guy has. We're so happy about his successful season at 21 6. And good luck the rest of the way to Fordham Rams. And now we have another guest on the line that I'm really looking forward to chatting with Eric Haslam. From Haslam Metrics. Eric, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Great. So happy to have you since I've been looking at your website for the three years since I started this radio show, and it's so helpful for me to kind of understand the sport of college basketball. So let's, as we discussed online before the show, let's explain people what this world of Ken Palm and Haslam metrics and Uh, computer analytics, and looking at future likelihood of victory for basketball teams. Tell us what it is you do.
2: Yeah, so what Hazlometrics is basically designed to do is break things down from a shooting standpoint. Now, other analytics sites may do things a little bit differently. This is the way I do things. I break things down into shot situations, looking at situations, not just the, the, the half-court sets, but also looking at situations that might yield a higher scoring percentage in something like second-chance putbacks or quick points off of steals. I also factor in scoring locations on the court. Are you shooting from up close to the hoop, what I call near proximity? Do I shoot a lot of threes? Am I getting to the foul line very often, or am I in that mid-range, the two-point mid-range game? And then what in all of these different scenarios or locations, I just create a kind of a matrix of success rates of how good each team is at converting. And then once you do that, you just, behind the scenes, create these transitive comparisons, and that kind of creates the predictive model. And we talked about this beforehand about how the analytics sites are meant to be predictive. They're not so much meant to be rewards-based, and a lot of people get confused about that because some people take that approach like, well, wins have to matter. And we're like saying, yes, they absolutely do matter, especially when it comes to qualification and seeding in the NCAA tournament. But predictive analytics are there to determine who is going to win the next game, and that's what it's there for. It's you know, You can have good losses. You can have bad wins. Um, but that's the idea behind it. You want to be able to predict the outcome of future uh, future contests.
0: So, pre- so predictive analytics is so important now. I've read articles on the last few years that even uh, on, on Las Vegas, when they're setting point spreads, they use uh, apps like yours to figure out how to set up point spreads, right? That is correct, and that's the reason
2: why. It's because I think uh, years ago people would rely kind of on the AP rankings or in things like that. But it was misleading because that was very much rewards based. And you think of a, you know, a great team that I'm going to mention is going to be Providence last year. If you remember Providence, uh, the predictive analytics had had Providence um, always right around that probably fifty or sixty range, even though they were something like twenty four and five. And the reason for that was because their efficiency margins we just not there. They barely eked out wins over the likes of teams like Butler and Georgetown, uh, but they also, at the same time, had a way of finding a way to beat teams like a Villanova or a Creighton by two points as well. It was a very, it was kind of a head scratcher that team was. Um, but that's the that's the general. I mean, the the idea behind things is that you want to look at the efficiency margins more than just the wins and losses. It really matters if you're playing a team like Tennessee and you beat Tennessee by 25 as opposed to beating by one in overtime, both wins, but the 25-point win is obviously has more value than the one-point win.
0: Absolutely. That's a great point. So how did you get into this? How did you get into this field?
2: You know, it was just kind of years ago, about probably about a, a decade ago, I just kind of wanted to perform better in the bracket tournaments. And that was the kind of the idea behind it. And there were, you know, I think at that point you only had Sagarin and Pomeroy, and I kind of looked at things, and I understood how they were arriving at their numbers to a certain degree, but I was like, you know, I can do this myself. I have the engineering background, I have the computer science background, I have the database background, so it started with... Just you know, using Microsoft products fiddling around, and I kind of came up with my methodology after taking a step back. Uh, I did not want to recreate the wheel; I kind of wanted to do things my own way, wipe the slate clean, and you just kind of build this brick by brick and say, okay i 'm going to try doing this i'm going to pull all this data i'm going to translate this data, and you know eventually publish it on a website. And then you just kind of like touched up little by little. And it's. I always tell people it's kind of like building a castle. It's brick by brick. Don't look at the whole thing. But one day you eventually step back and look and go, wow, this is kind of a castle I built here. Um, it's, you know, it's just kind of evolved over the years. And, you know, it's into what you see today at Haslametrics. Is it a full-time job now? It is not a full-time job. I, uh, I don't know if I'd want it to be a full-time job because sometimes full-time jobs can, uh, it's, it, I always kind of think like hobbies are your passion and your job is your job. Very true. Um, I, Yep, I've, uh, I've been in the electric utility industry for going on 27 years. That I do actually enjoy it, um, so that's the nice thing about it is I can do this on the side, which is kind of my fun stuff, and then during the day, the stuff that I actually still enjoy as well, I still have that job as well, so that kind of pays the bills, and then this, this side job kind of keeps me uh, satisfied from, the, from the, the hobby side of things.
0: Okay, so a bracketologist who I like told me he likes your analysis the best, because you do a better job of factoring in when teams are playing better over the course of a season. You want to comment on that?
2: Yeah, there's definitely things behind the scenes. What I try to do is I have something called my bracketology deserves. And what I end up doing is I try to take what the committee has informed us they typically will do to, to determine selection and seeding so what I did was with a lot of trial and error was try to take a lot of these things behind my scenes, behind the scenes. I have my own homebrewed uh, net rating, not the actual net rating because the net, the actual net rating cannot be calculated. They don't res- They don't reveal what goes on behind the scenes for the net rating. So I kind of come back and say, oh, I'm going to kind of do a half predictive based and a half rewards based, looking at wins and losses and strength of schedule. And then you look at the stuff that the committee Wants to, wants to really put an emphasis on, such as quad one wins, and even to a certain degree, quad two wins, and then looking at strength of schedule, things like that. And what I try to do with behind the scenes is level the playing field, because sometimes I think a lot of people think that what the committee does is not a level playing field. I can at least say, hey, these are the characteristics of a team that the selection committee values, and I can put a number value on every single one of them and then create and output, which is the bracketology deserves. It may not match. A lot of people will say what the committee does doesn't make a lot of sense because who knows what kind of switches they're doing. But what I'm doing is creating a jumping-off point of sorts where I say, hey, based on the information they've given me of what's important, I plug the numbers in, it spits it out. That's what I start with.
0: Okay, so I am a fan of St. Bonaventure. That's where I went, and I cover Iona, which is right down the road. So sometimes I get frustrated with the net system, because it kind of favors mediocre Power Six teams rather than a team that went tw- uh, twenty-six and five um, from, uh, from a you know a, a mid-major conference, because they get yeah. so many more chances to play games in Quad One and Quad Two. Uh, these other teams don't get that chance. Is that a, is that fair? When I say that,
2: yeah, you know, it's a it's a debate that's ongoing. In fact, in the last hour, I tweeted something that that it was surprising to me i was looking at utah state and utah state is something like 17 and 2 in quads 2 and 3 if you look at the teams that they have faced throughout this season they have not faced a team ranked worse than hundredths at my website there's the next team behind that is san diego state who has one team they faced uh, ranked worse than So I think it's UC San Diego at number 252. But I kind of look at that and I say, you know, it's, it's, it's a debate that a lot of people will have. There's some people who take the side of, well, you got to be good teams and that's all that matters. And there's other people that will take the side of, well, they're playing some really good teams, but they're not elite teams. So what should be important? And that's a debate that will not end tomorrow, will not end next week, that will not end next year. I like a team like Utah State, uh, but unfortunately, they're 0-4 in and and Quad 1, and that's a lot. You know, a lot of people will look at that and say that's the only thing they see. You can justify all you want about Quad 2, but, you know, so many people nowadays are programmed to look at Quad 1 and nothing else.
0: Okay, so let's make this fun for our listeners who follow Iona. We're right here in New Rochelle, New York. You took a look uh, at Iona through your analysis and your website, and the word you use for Iona, which is certainly true, uh, streaky. They're a streaky team. Tell us about that. Yeah, the reason I I say streaky
2: is, you know, I went through and kind of looked at a lot of their characteristics and nothing really jumped out at me as being anything elite or anything, you know, absolutely terrible. They're just really good across the board. But the one thing that I noticed, and if you go to my site and, and you click on any team, But in this situation, you click on Iona, you scroll down, and you'll see a sortable schedule and results. On the far right, there's an efficiency column, and that's a game efficiency rating. So what I do for the the team in its current position, in Iona's case, whatever I have them ranked, it's going to look and say, okay, there's an expectation for that particular game based on who they are today. This is what should have happened. This is what did happen. Now, if you fall short, you get a red mark. It's a negative mark. If you exceed the expectation you get a green mark. And the thing that I've noticed about Iona is that their last six games have all received positive ratings. The six before that received negative ratings. The four before that received positive ratings. So that's why I call them streaky. You see these These ebbs and flows where a lot of teams you're going to see an up game and a down game, an up game and a down game. Not the case for Iona. You're seeing these longer stretches where they're either playing great basketball or bad basketball.
0: Well, Iona had a tough January because uh, two of their five starters were banged up. One guy's now out for the year, Quinn Zelinski, power forward, six foot eight. 15 points a game at 1.8 rebounds. There was nobody on the bench to step in for him. And they were well, their best guard, Walter Clayton, was banged up too. I think that played into them not being efficient uh, in those games in January. And I think what's happened now, uh, Eric, is that they figured out how they're going to move forward. Uh, well, one player, Walter Clayton, fully came back healthy. They're not getting Quinn Slizinski back. But I think why they got hotter now over these last six, seven games is they've learned how to Uh, Take have guys step in to take the place of the guy they lost, Quinn Lozinski. That's probably something you see a lot, right? An injury can impact all this.
2: Absolutely. I mean, a great example this year was Creighton. The call, as I call the Kalkbrenner era, the Kalkbrennerless era, where they went six games and they lost six in a row without Kalkbrenner. For whatever reason, I've seen teams where where superstars have been out. And teams have been able to fill the gap. And then I've seen other games where other teams where a key player is gone and for whatever reason they just kind of fall apart. And I'm thinking, um, you know, I, I think years ago of, of Javon Carter when he was playing for West Virginia, I remember that team was very much lost without him. And then I think of uh, Mike Miles for, for TCU sure. this year. They were lost without him. And then all of a sudden he comes back, they hang 100, uh, and was it Oklahoma State, I think. Um, so, I mean, one player can make all the difference, but you never know for sure. I remember when Bonzi Colson went out a few years ago for Notre Dame, they, they were pre- playing pretty lousy with, with him, and they were playing pretty lousy with I don't know. You never know. All
0: right. Eric, this was so interesting. I have, like, another 100 questions for you because I find what you do. <laughs> so interesting, so I'll contact you on Twitter. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. This was so informative, and keep up all the great work. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you, Eric. Eric Haslam from Haslam Metrics, Great website, folks, to go to and check out uh, if you want to figure out who you're going to pick for the NCAA tournament. All right, I'm Jim Messina. We're going to a commercial break. We'll be right back on College Hoops Chat.
1: We love
0: that basketball. Okay, folks, basketball. we are back on College Hoops Chat. I'm Jim Masano, your host, we and we have our number one caller on the line, Kenny from Rye. Kenny, are you there?
3: James, how are we doing?
0: Good. I hope you enjoyed the first two guests. I thought that was great.
3: Yeah, Coach was very generous with his time as he was last week when we uh, saw him after the game. And uh, he's obviously been a, a real uh, boost for the program itself. We saw that with the crowd that was there the other night. So I think he was wonderful. And and listening to anybody on the stats side is interesting. Everybody's got their own methodology from it. You can manipulate a lot of it with obviously the, the, the type of data you put in. So it is interesting to listen to uh, any and all of them.
0: I agree. So let me just... Uh... Remind everybody, since we talked to this uh, uh, Eric Haslam, who did such a great job in the last segment. If you'd like to see his website, it's Haslammetrics. That's H-A-S-L-A-M-E-T-R-I-C-S dot com. Haslammetrics is his website. Go check that out. There's a lot of really good data about college basketball. And will help you analyze games both for the next couple of weeks and in the conference tournaments and in the NCAA tournament. I use this uh, Haslametrics and Ken Palm all the time. All right, Kenny from Rye. Before we get into the ACC, we're going to talk a little ACC tonight. Uh, did you want to say anything about the Iona Gales? They had a pretty easy weekend.
3: Yeah, I mean, we saw them on Friday. I, I didn't think it was much of a challenge at all. I mean, from a standpoint, it was kind of a little bit sloppy. I thought in particular the second half, I thought the first half was a little bit uh, a little bit cleaner but uh, it got a little sloppy in the second half. But again, kind, kind of like the, the, the second game this weekend, it, it, they're kind of hitting their stride at the right time. I mean, it was a pretty dominating performance on Friday, and it was you know a dominating performance on Sunday as well. So as you mentioned a few times, they, 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 they may have peaked a little bit too early last year, and maybe they're playing into better form this year as they head into the uh, MAC tournament. So that's the good news that I take away from them.
0: I agree, and Iona's on a seven-game win streak. And if you're in a seven-game win streak, in late February, in college basketball, that's nothing but a terrific thing.
3: Yeah, and their rival, Siena's has taken a little bit of a dip here in the last few weeks. Had a couple of tough losses, but obviously that's a big game. Coming up is kind of, like, is that kind of their end-of-the-year defining game, so we'll see how that goes. And so, uh, I know we'll be looking for a little revenge on that one.
0: Right, so we're going to talk ACC, which may be of the power conferences, Kenny and Rye. The hardest conference to kind of analyze for who's going to the NCAA tournament. Because you have Virginia and you have Miami. Uh, They're sitting there at the top. They're going to the NCAA tournament. There's no doubt. Virginia and Miami, book them. If you go to those schools, you know your team is in. Uh, They're in very strong form right now. Uh, But then you come down and you have teams, Pittsburgh, Clemson, NC State, Duke, Wake Forest, Syracuse, North Carolina, and even Virginia Tech. You have a whole bunch of teams at some place on the bubble, some towards the bottom of the bubble. They're probably not going to make it. Others more towards the front, like an NC State. They're probably going to make the tournament. But right now, I think it's very hard to say who's going to the tournament from the ACC because I think these next three weeks are going to really matter. Yeah, I mean – I'm looking
3: at the records you know, you overall and in conference, obviously. And one thing I was surprised that people have, you know, one of these tournament, you know, these bracketologists, they have them last in or first out. But it might be it's Clemson, and I'm surprised. And I know they had a couple of bad losses in the beginning of the year. They had a couple of good ones also at a conference. But they also are 19-8 and eight right now with four games to go, and they're 11-5 and five in the ACC. So I, I find it hard to believe that, that, you know, if they get 21 wins, then that they're not going to be put in there. And Pitt is kind of the same way. Um, They've done a great job there. Our friend Coach O'Toole has done a good job uh, rebounding that program. So, again, looking at their records and what they have left, they seem to be, and again, I kind of go on the magic number, 21-22 in a Power 5 conference gets you in. The bubble, as you say, UNC, uh, Wake Forest, I think they're in a little bit of a more difficult position.
0: I agree. So, I mean, I think that as of today, NC State gets in. I think Duke gets in. Those are the two teams that probably get in. And then, it's kind of close, and then the rest of them—you got Clemson, you got Wake Forest, you got Syracuse, North Carolina, and Virginia Tech. Right now, I think they're all not getting in. So interesting, right? Normally, we're used to an ACC putting five, six team into the big uh, NCAA tournament. I don't think that's happening this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, it seems to be everybody's down on them, and what happens is that starts to feed on itself. But then you have to look at the reality at the end of the year. We still got two weeks left. They've still got all conference games, you know, for the most part, these teams. And then obviously, you know, as we, as we mentioned, teams get hot at the end of the year at the right time. So, you know, UNC is the perfect example. You know, they, they haven't played particularly well, you know, throughout the year. But they've got four games left. They can could, they could take a little bit of a run and say they get into the, into the ACC tournament and get into the finals. Then I think you have to put them in. So, um, again, look at teams who, who you know, finish strong. I think, I, I think the NCAA looks at that as well. You don't want to you don't want to limp in at one and three or something like
0: that. I totally agree, and they certainly look at that. Even sometimes they say they don't. We know they do because we've seen evidence so, of it. But yeah. uh, that's a good point about like I so I put that post today up on the college chat Twitter page. Uh, right now, North Carolina is having a very disappointing season. There's no question they have a disappointing season. But if they go on a four game run starting uh, this week on Wednesday night, they beat Notre Dame. Beat Virginia, who's a very good team, going to the Blade tournament. Uh, beat Florida State, who's on a down year, so they should get that win. And then come home and beat Duke at home. They win those four games. They roll into the ACC tournament. Maybe they grab another win or two. I still think they get in the tournament, but they've got a lot of work to do. That's the case for North Carolina. That's the case for uh, a Wake Forest or a Virginia Tech uh, or uh, Syracuse uh, and Clemson. If they want to go to the tournament, they better start winning and they better start winning fast.
3: Yeah, exactly. You know, they're kind of our uh they are UCLA of last year when we thought when they everybody they brought back, they looked on paper to be the perfect repeat, at least kind of move through the year somewhat easily and then, you know, obviously you walk into the tournament and then 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 there's an expectations. Well, they're just going to walk into the final four again. Well, obviously we're wrong on that as we were wrong on UCLA as well last year. So Again, you know, when you're the NCAA champion and you walk into somebody else's gym, you're obviously the target. And I think that UNC probably probably didn't get used to that very quick or quick enough, and is starting to realize it now. So as you say, we'll have to see how they do. There's there's two weeks left. There's tough conference games left. We'll see who does. Three and one, in and in a game or two in the ACC, they probably get in. One and three, they limp into the end of the year. They're probably good. they're probably done.
0: So I'll tell you, Kenny from Rye, right, it's kind of bizarre. That as I look at the ACC and then I looked at some of the bracket that are online, these bracketeers, what they're predicting, the fact that right now it's only three or four teams uh, maybe going from the ACC is kind of unbelievable. I mean, we're used to that conference being such a powerhouse in the sport. Wow. I mean, Virginia and Miami are terrific. They each; those two teams could go to the Elite Eight, Final Four, no doubt in my mind, if they if they stay if they get hot in the tournament. But you know, it's good though. I watched them play yesterday. Uh, they beat NC. They beat North Carolina at home. The fans were really into the game. NC State's a pretty darn good team.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, from a perspective of what they've done all year, people like them. I think they were higher ranked, uh, or they were highly ranked at one point when they had a little bit of a run going on. And again, I'm looking at their record and looking what they've got left. There's no reason that they, you know, with the, even finishing 500 in the last four games, maybe win a game or so in the ACC, that they get in. I mean, and they'll and they deserve to get in. Again, people have talked down the conference all year. I don't know; it seemed to be a little bit of a, you know, kind of payback time. But I, I still think the ACC, when it's when it's said and done, is going to get five teams in. I think that's what. And, it, and also, they don't want to admit it. Their fans travel well and when they travel well you get people you'll get people at their games and they'll you know for that reason they'll bring them in I and agree.
0: I agree. all right Kenny from Rye, we have John from Portchester holding for the final few minutes about Iona so let's say thank you for the call Kenny from Rye I'll talk to you soon <clears throat>
3: All right James thank you Bye-bye. thanks so
0: much all right we're going to the phone line we have our friend John from Portchester um who is probably now in second place for the most calls of the show after kenny from rye john are you there
4: yes hello uh jim uh good to speak to you uh first of all condolences on your bonnie's losing on your uh 50th birthday is that
0: correct jim or 60th uh, birthday I... i'm even older i know i look young but i'm yeah, actually well, well, 60. well
4: yeah <laughs> i was uh tossing your uh softball right there thank you but thank anyway you. uh but but and it was it was a great interview with uh, Coach uh, Keith Ergo and the fact that you ran into him in, uh, on Arthur Avenue that's excellent. So uh, and that and that tradition of uh, Fordham basketball so so long ago that you guys talked about that 70-71 team with uh, Digger Phelps. They went boy ninth ninth in the country. Uh, Charlie Elverton and Kenny Charles, uh, great uh, great players. Uh, then Tom Penders versus Pat Kennedy uh, when, uh, when, during the Iona years. Those were uh, great rivalries. But uh, anyway, going, g- getting back to Iona, uh, Jim, no surprise this weekend. Um, Iona held serve nicely. Uh, as, as Kenny just said, uh, the game, none of the games were really ever in doubt. Uh, Walter Clayton, 23 points uh, versus Manhattan. Nellie Jr., uh, Joseph, 17 rebounds. And then, oh my goodness, St. Peter's, we've got uh, Brookshire with 22 points off the bench in 25 minutes. Parker Weiss, he, uh, he gets uh, two for two from three, playing good defense, getting some minutes uh, for, for the bench. Io starting some games and uh, giving, uh, giving some quality minutes. So uh, I think uh, Iona is uh, obviously on a roll and doing well. Uh, wouldn't it be nice if we can get the, the Mac tournament into the UBS arena, uh, Jim? be great. Uh, That'd be I, great. I think that would be fantastic. It'd also be nice if all the whole with Fettino talk could end, and he just, well, he'll honor his contract, which I believe he will, and everyone not being so paranoid. Uh, and two, two shout-outs, uh, Jim, from uh, Pete from... Uh, Scott Hill and George from uh, Malvern, two loyal listeners, onto the
0: show. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. All right, John. Thank you so much. Let's hope I own a beats Mount St. Mary's, and Sierra this weekend. Thank you so I'm much putting, for the I'm, call. I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident of both. Good. Me too. All right. Thank you for the call, John. Thanks for uh, being a good fan of the show. We appreciate it. Good night, James. Good night. Good All time. right, folks. Thanks for tuning in.